Welcome back to the Compass Church, all of you who are joining us online, those of you at our four in-person campuses, welcome back to Revolutionary Love, this study of the teaching of Jesus Christ on love. Friends, today I am by some absolutely beautiful ivy, big fan of ivy, know a thing or two about ivy. It was my old house, my last home. We had this big, ugly brick wall. It was one without windows, just looked painfully plain. And I was trying to think, what can I do? What can I do? And you know where I got inspired? Wrigley Field, that's right, watching the Cubs. And it came to me. Those Cubs, man, they bless me in so many ways. Well, I was looking at their outfield wall, the famous ivy that's there. And I said, yes, that's it. I am going to grow Cubs ivy on the side of my house. And I actually did research. Any ivy wouldn't do. I had to find out the exact species at Wrigley Field. And I found out, and I researched, and I found a place where I could buy one. And sure enough, I bought this little teeny plant. It was so small. But I, with great enthusiasm, went and I dug a little hole, planted that little plant and watered it carefully, tended to it faithfully. At first, it was quite disappointing. It was just growing just incrementally. In fact, the first couple years, it was pathetic. You know, I had this little spot of ivy. But then after a few years, man, it took off. And friends, I was so proud. I had this massive ivy patch that was just beautiful. And I delighted in it every time I saw it. And then that fateful day, I will never forget. I was mowing the lawn by the side of my house, and I got too close, heard kind of a clunk. And I'm like, oh, man, what was that? And when I inspected, I realized I had severed where the base of the original plant, you know, connected to the ground. And it was such a small spot where it was severed, and yet I knew enough plant physiology to know that that small problem was going to have big results. I was a biology major in college, and I had studied uh, how there is xylem. Did you know that? In the branches of plants, this tissue called xylem, it's a vascular tissue that carries the nutrients through the trunk and the branches to the leaves. And what does it carry? It carries water, three big things, water, nitrogen, and potassium. Those are the three big. There are other trace minerals that go as well. But those three things are absolutely essential. And with that vital connection severed, I feared that the whole thing might die. Sure enough, friends, the next day it was turning brown, just a few days, and the whole thing was dead. 
Friends, severing that small connection has massive ramifications. Jesus knew this. In fact, Jesus taught one of the most beautiful teachings on our relational connection to Christ, where Jesus speaks about vines and branches and how important the connection is. Here's what he says in John 15, verse 5. Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the connection, the relational bond between us and our Savior is so profound that it could be compared to vine and branches. You know, the vine, that's that strong central core that has its roots in the ground. The branches are what bear the leaves and the fruit, potentially. But Christ is saying that they must be connected. If you sever that connection, Jesus says, you will accomplish nothing. Isn't that interesting? There's something that flows from Jesus to us. That day-to-day relational connection we have with him provides us what's needed for life and fruitfulness. Just like with this vine, you've got those water, nitrogen, potassium. So it is with Jesus. When we're connected to him, things flow. One of the things that flows is ability. Without that connection, we are unable to accomplish anything. But when we have him, he says we will be fruitful. That means productive. There will be a victory in our lives by his power working through us. So ability is one. In in verse 11, he talks about joy. It's really interesting. In that verse, Jesus speaking, he says, my joy will be in you. My joy will flow into your being. You will find joy. That's actually my joy in you. Isn't that beautiful? Friends, we can live with a joy that comes because of that connection, that relational connection to our Savior. And then in verse 9, Jesus says one of the other things that flows, ability, joy, and love. Jesus says, my very love will flow through that relational connection into your heart, your soul, your life. And friends, that's what we're going to talk about. This series is about love, and we've been called to a high, lofty love, not a downhill love, an uphill love, where we're called to love unconditionally, difficult to love people. How is that going to happen? Well, we're about to discover that that relationship with Jesus that is a conduit of love is absolutely central. Right in the middle of Jesus' teaching on him being the vine and we being the branches, right in the middle of John 15, Christ commands us to love twice. Let me show you. Verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other. And then in verse 17, he says, this is my command, love each other. (laughs) We know that Jesus is so desiring to place emphasis on the command to show love. But here's the question I have. Why is this command twice given in the context of the teaching on the vine and the branches? That's the key. And friends, the the answer to that question is this. In order for us to love people well, 
we must remain connected to the Lord. This uh, principle of living in vital connection with Jesus so that his joy and his ability are flowing in us is important because also the love of Christ for us must flow into us if we're ready to love others well. Let me show you a key verse that connects it. Again, still in John 15. It says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Isn't that a beautiful verse? As the Father has loved me. So Jesus is commenting about the Trinitarian love, that the Father loves the Son. Christ enjoys the experience of being loved by the Father. I know this is confusing to us because we're like, wait a minute, God is one being, right? Yeah, he is. But he's also three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as three persons, there is love flowing within the Trinity, The Father has a love for the Son. They are distinct persons, though united as one being. Christ says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And then the context is, so you can love one another. Do you see? Maybe a prop would help. Friends, this is a fountain of profound theological significance. You ready for this? We're going to let this top container stand for God the Father, and the second one, Jesus the Son, and this third one, us, and then the fourth one, others that are around us, the people in our lives that we feel called to love. And the water symbolizes love. One of the great things this passage teaches is that God the Father loves, pours his love into his Son, and that Jesus pours his love into us. And because we are receiving the love of Christ, we are capable of pouring love into the world around us. Let me read that verse 9 one more time. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then it goes on to those two verses that say, and my command is that you would love each other. Friends, this is how the love of God works. Now, you you may be slightly skeptical. Really? Do we really love with the love we receive? Yes, I'll show you a few other verses. John, who wrote the Gospel of John and recorded these teachings of Jesus, He brought up the topic again in his epistle, 1 John. 1 John 4, 7, it says, Love one another, for love comes from God. Love each other because you're able to, because the love comes from God. Here also, 1 John 4, 19, the apostle John says, We love because he first loved us. Do you see that again? We're capable of loving others because God first loved us. Friends, it's true that people who are so good at loving others are often well-connected to the love of God for them. And maybe you're still a skeptic. You're like, I don't get it. How can, you know, love, it's not water. It's not water poured into our hearts. I I think it works like this. When we feel well-loved by God, 
when we're really connected with the fact that he adores us, we tend to be secure and secure people who feel great, who feel significant in God's eyes, they tend to be able to focus on others. They've got a healthy, robust, joyful heart, and they can just love others. People who are insecure or find their security in things that change, like how successful they are, how wealthy they are, how healthy they are. If your security, if your self-worth is established in one of these changing circumstances, you're going to have times where you just feel like you're a loser, like you don't matter. And those who are insecure tend to be self-obsessed, focused on their own insecurity, and incapable of directing their mind, words, and actions towards others in a loving way. Those who, again, are just so amazed at how much God loves them are just doing well. Their heart is robust and they're just capable of focusing on others and loving them well. Now, I make it sound easy. Like, just stay connected to the love of God so that you just feel secure and can love others. It's not easy. I was reminded of that just uh, on Friday. Friday, I was working on this very message at a restaurant, okay, a fast food restaurant. And I came into the restaurant and wouldn't you know, there's one of the other pastors from a, a large area church. Uh, I know the guy, and I walked over to him. How are you doing? And he's working on his sermon. So I was like, don't on interrupt you. Just wanted to say hi. Isn't that interesting? Here's uh, two pastors, you know, a few booths away from each other, working on their sermons. Well, as I focused on my sermon, I was reading this teaching about God's love for me, and I was just basking in this precious truth that I am beloved. In fact, John, the one who wrote the Gospel of John, recorded Jesus' words, and who wrote 1 John, John would refer to himself in his own Gospel as the one Jesus loves. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, who am I at my very core? I'm the loved one. And I was trying to reflect on that, that that's true of me too. Who is Jeff Griffin? I'm the one the Lord adores. And I want to live with a perpetual awareness that I'm the loved one, much loved one, helps me love others. I was doing so good as I meditated on this truth in that restaurant, when all of a sudden I was interrupted by a congregant who walked into the restaurant and said, hey, pastor. And I turned to greet whoever it was, only to realize, oh, he wasn't talking to me. It was the congregant of the other pastor who was at the restaurant. And he walked over to that pastor and he was just, hey, so good to see you. And they had a very celebratory, loving exchange. That's cool. But then uh, it happened again. Another congregant came in and went to him. Four in total all go to this other pastor. He kind of looks at me with this knowing glance like, I don't know, you know, you know how it is, Jeff. You know, we get interrupted in public places. No one's coming for me. Where were you when I needed you? Just one person would have been nice, but nobody. And wouldn't you know, in that moment as I sit at that table, insecurity floods my heart. Wow, everybody knows and loves him. Where are the people who know and love me? I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm just being transparent. I turned back to my study, and it was like God just smacked me. Jeff, come on! You were just meditating on how my love is enough. 
Now you're telling me that you need to be known by those in the restaurant? I'm like, Lord, I'm a work in progress. I want to be secure that if no one else knew me, if no one else was flooding me with affirmation, you, Lord, your love is enough to make this man fully satisfied and fully secure. Friends, may we grow in our connection to the love of God. May it flow into our lives so it can flow into others. Now, you may wonder, is the water analogy accurate? Is it biblical? Well, it is. Let me, let me show you something. Uh, shifting from our main passage just for a moment to Romans 5.5. 5. It says, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Isn't that interesting? There, Paul is using the imagery of water being poured like love. God pours his love into our hearts. That's a very experiential dynamic. Here's another one, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. It says, may the Lord direct your heart into God's love. Isn't that interesting? May God direct your heart into God's love. That reminds me of uh, this summer. We had a little family road trip vacation, and we were staying at this resort that had a swimming pool. And my son grabs me and he says, Dad, I need you to stand right here. We're by the pool. And he goes, right here. And I'm like, what's he up to? And then I realized it had one of these big buckets that fills with water and then eventually tips and dumps. Sure enough, uh, that water dumped onto my head, cascading aqua refreshment. It was actually fun. And what Jake did is he directed me to the right spot where I would experience that outpouring of water. It's kind of what that passage is saying. May God help us to direct our lives to where his love flows perfectly on us. Friends, have you experienced this? Do you know the love of God? Not only up here, I know that he loves me, but down here where experientially you have moments of connection with God in prayer where you realize, like John says, you are the beloved one, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Is that who you are? Do you feel it? Let's talk about that for a moment. How can we grow to experience the outpouring of God's love so that we're doing so well we're able to outpour love into others? I want to go back to our main verse, verse 9, and take a look at it one more time. Verse 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. Uh, yeah, you know, the verse says, may he direct your heart into God's love. When it says, may you remain in my love, sounds similar, doesn't it? Get in the, to the love. Here, this verse, actually, I see four keys to experiencing God's love for you so that you can love others. Let's take a look at them, shall we? The first is this. I want to highlight as the Father has loved me. Here, here, here's the, the point. We must believe God is loving. As, as the Father has loved Jesus, the Son. The, this verse, the teaching of Jesus, starts off with this loving dynamic in the Trinity. We must believe that this is true, that there is love flowing from God the Father to God the Son. Here, here's the key. We must believe God 
is a loving God, that there is a love dynamic that's been true of him always, even before humanity was even created. In fact, John, the, the apostle, in his epistle, he writes it like this, 1 John four sixteen: God is love. We've got to believe that at the core of who our God is, there's a love dynamic that has always been going on. You know, some people struggle to experience the love of God because they see him as cruel and as harsh. Maybe they had a father, an earthly father, who didn't show love. And so when they imagine the heavenly father, they imagine him as an unloving, harsh being. Friends, we need to study the word of God because this is where God reveals what he's like. And the Bible declares that at the very core of his nature is love. He's many things. But the pinnacle of what he's like is love. And so it starts by saying, Lord, I'm going to believe in faith what you declare about yourself. And that that is you are a loving God. That's the first. What's the second? The second is found in this. Let's, let's highlight. So have I loved you. Uh, we got to believe that Jesus loves you. The first part is believing this is going on. That there's love in the triune God. The second, when Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. We've got to believe what Jesus says about himself, and that is that he loves us. Christ declares that through the cross, I have proven I love you. And before we can feel it in our hearts, we have to believe it with God-given faith and say, Lord, I don't know why you love me, I'm not particularly fond of myself, but I'm going to take it by the authority of your word that when you say you love us, that you really do, that it's a biblical fact that God is loving and that he loves me, okay? Now that I claim that truth to be a fact, that moves us to the third point. This comes out of the, the last part of this verse. Let's highlight, now remain in my love. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, I love you. It's a fact. The challenge is you've got to remain in my love. It's as if this container could be moved out of the way. The love that Christ has for us is always flowing. Nothing can stop that. The question is, are we in a position to receive it? If we're not experiencing the love of Christ, it's not his fault. The question is, who moved? We moved. We're the ones who must remain in his love and press into an experience of direct connection with his love. You know, how that looks for me is this. When I mentally am focusing on the truth that God loves me, I now say, it's good that I know it up here. It's time for me to receive it. And I move into the waterfall, if you will, the outpouring of his love by I use my spirit-empowered imagination. I just say, Lord, if it's true, I want to imagine right now you're present, you're looking at me, you're smiling at me because you love me, and I'm just going to use my imagination to reflect on this truth that I am being loved by Christ right now. I am the disciple that he loves, just as John referred to himself. And friends, when I do, when I just, in meditation, receive that love, through the focus of my mind, through the faith of my soul, and through the imagination that God has given me, 
I can just see the Lord looking at me and I can bask in that love. Friends, the point is move into the outpouring. If there's an outpouring of love from Christ to us, we must move into that, volitionally choosing to focus on it and receive it. Now, you may have a great moment where you're like, oh my goodness, I think I just had a tinge of awareness that he loves me. That was awesome. Well, that moment is good, but the moment's not enough. Uh, Highlighting again, now remain in my love. I want to draw another point from this statement. And that is, never leave the outpouring. Yes, we need to move into the outpouring of his love, but then we need to never leave it when he says remain there. The point is, you got to get into it and then stay there. The, 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 The dream of the Lord is not that the experience of his love would be a long in our past, glorious moment that we'll never forget that one day walking in the woods when we just felt the love of God. That moment's great. But God's vision is that we would remain there. Just as this fountain is ongoing, so would our experience of the love of Christ. The old King James uses the term abide. Abide in connection, the branch connected to the vine, and our connection to the love of God. Where every day, throughout the day, we just have this growing background awareness that we're the loved ones, that he loves us. We get in the car, we just reflect on it. I'm the loved one. He loves us. We're in the shower. I'm the loved one. We're going from the car to work. I'm, I'm the loved one. He just loves me. Friends, this experience of God's love can become so pervasive in our attention throughout our day that our hearts are full. The robust overflowing with love so that when we encounter someone that he's calling us to love, it is natural for that love to flow from us to them because we're in perpetual awareness in the back of our mind that we're the ones he loves. Friends, may this be true of you and true of me. May we grow to believe this, that God is loving. May we grow to believe this, that Jesus adores me. May we grow to experience this to where we feel the love coming into our hearts. May it be perpetual so that when throughout the day he calls us to love others, boom, we are able. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you so much for this teaching that You are the source of the love in the universe. You are the ultimate producer of this powerful love. That it's true of you and the Son. That it's true of how you and the Son feel about us. And Lord, we can be distributors of that same love. Would you help us? Lord, sometimes it's so hard to connect with your love. But through the help of your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word, I pray that my friends, even today would experience a deep connection to the outpouring of your love for them. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.